Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome. We're on. This is episode 140 of We Are Going Up. Can you believe we are just 10 away from the next big milestone? I'm Mark Crossley and alongside me, roll like the red carpet. Carl McQueen is back. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. All we right. thought you'd, you died. Oh, thanks. Did you deserve that fanfare? Yeah, well. I'm not sure. We'll let the listeners decide. I'm more concerned you thought I died. I didn't hear from a search party or anything. <laughs> no, no. Season's concerns. debut on the 15th of October. Uh, just making a fash me late run for the push for the uh, you know, I like it. quota for a end of season medal. I like it. The um, the Swindon fans have been on. They're not happy that they're not getting their Swindon's, uh, their sort of money's worth for Swindon mentions on the pod. Mm. So you can sort that out well, today. It's not a problem. You're doing very now, well. As yeah, well. very much so. So now I've been on, we'll just drop like a stone, essentially. Yeah. Uh, David Cameron Walker is here as well, as yes, ever. Yes, I am. You've had a very interesting week. I believe on I the one am. hand, on the upside, you've been mixing it with uh, Hollywood film stars. And on the negative, you've been scoring multiple own goals. <laughs> Yeah. Can you confirm or deny those rumours? Uh, both are true. <laughs> both are true. I, I don't worry about the Hollywood film stars. Not that it's not that exciting. Uh, but the, the own goals. What, teaching you. Tinder to Hugh Grant isn't that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I teach. I'll tell you about the own goals. Okay. Uh, I played two games of football. Two games of eleven-a-side football on Sunday. Lost the first one. Played centre back in both games. Lost the first game eight-two. <laughs> nice. Scored an own goal. You were in that one. Oh. Uh, our keeper retired at the final whistle. It was that bad. <laughs> yeah. Promptly announced his retirement. I thought it was bad when Gibraltar subbed up their goalkeeper. And then, um, and I hot footed across London. Played another game in the afternoon. Uh, we lost five 0 and I scored an own goal in that as well. Like a young Jamie Carragher. Yeah, getting your own goal quota in. Like a um, very, very old Jamie Carragher. We should say uh, before we properly get going. Um, last Tuesday, we were lucky enough to go down to the Mayfair Hotel uh, to a very swanky do to mm. watch Football Manager, an alternative reality, the Football Manager documentary. A uh, big thank you to Sports Interactive and everyone there. Top evening was had all round. You like the look of the new game? Oh, it looks great. Yeah, it really did. It, uh, as ever, every year at these sort of events. They, they put on these events and it very much works on me my I start salivating about the prospects of, what, of playing the game again and I, I haven't really gotten into it for a number of years now like you know properly obsessed with the game but dressing in a I, suit I used to so maybe, you know, but, but I still love it um, it was a great film as well I mean the, the film will be out on DVD the star soon. of the film by the way John McClure from Reverend and the Makers yeah, but I mean it features all sorts of it people Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's in it yes. uh, Adam LaFondra makes an appearance Andros Townsend Will Hughes Cleeson, his son Will Hughes yeah, it was brilliant. Well worth seeing if you get the mm. opportunity. The game itself, Football Manager 2015, is out on the 7th of November. And it also won't have escaped your attention that it's been quite a busy period for football books in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've had Rio's has come out, obviously in the cricket, Kevin Peterson's has come out, and Roy Keane's has come out. So I suggest you head over to audible.co.uk slash going up right now. Take advantage of a very special free one-month trial offer that allows you to download an audiobook of your choice for free. Uh, so if you've got lots of uh, long journeys coming up, why not get on it? These are the steps. You go to audible.co.uk slash going up, you click get my free audiobook, and then the book will be yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel before the 30-day trial is up. Would you like to hear Roy Keane reading out loud from his autobiography? <laughs> this is the scariest Excellent. thing you've ever heard. I'm so glad you've done this. We're going to have to bleat this badly, so when this goes out, you're going to hear the full unfiltered version. This is Roy Keane. I'd waited almost 180 minutes for Alfie. Three years if you looked at another way. Now he had the ball on the far touchline. I'd waited long enough. I f***ing hit him hard. The ball was there, I think. Tick that, you c- 
and don't ever stand over me sneering about fake injuries. <laughs> Do you think when you recorded that, there was people sat behind the glass in stitches, like we just in eat? cold blood? If you would like to hear more of that, this is the best you ever. Got an ounce of compassion in the man's well, body. Halloween's coming up. Are you want to oh, scare We're ever going to get for this? Audible.co.uk slash going up. Uh, later That's in the show. That's worth paying for. Let alone getting a free one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be talking about uh, Peter Swan versus Jeff Stelling. Also, uh, my trip to AFC Wimbledon on Saturday and the first and probably last ever edition of our new game, which football league player was I sat next to on the tube yesterday? That's Ooh. to come a little bit later. Can I guess? You can't cause you. Yeah, 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 we'll do a guessing game later. Yeah. Um, but it's all about managers today, as you'll tell from the uh, the headline. These are the managers that have bitten the dust since the last show. Six and 12 days. Dougie Freeman, Billy McKinley, Colin Cooper, Russ Wilcox, Nigel Worthington and Rob Edwards. We will speak about them all to some extent. We're going to be speaking to Nick Loughlin, who's the Northern Echo sports editor. That's all about uh, Colin Cooper resigning from Hartlepool. And also Paul Harper, who is the co-host of the Totally Tranmere podcast, will be talking to us. He's also one of the co-founders of Rover Radio, so he'll talk to us about Rob Edwards leaving Prenton Park. But first... We're going to start uh, with Bolton Wanderers. There's a new man in charge at the Macron. And DC, you said on the last show they were waiting for me to press edit on the podcast mm. and publish. Five minutes after it went live, Dougie Freeman was gone. We now know that Neil... Clockwork. <laughs> exactly. Neil Lennon is the new manager. He took over over the weekend. Bolton have lost more games in the Football League than any other team so far this season, including their last five. They're bottom of the championship table ahead of their trip to Birmingham at the weekend. So in theory, the only way is up. Let's speak now then to Daryl Morris, who is a big Whites fan and also happens to present the breakfast show on the UK digital radio station, The Hits. He's previously worked on BBC Radio Manchester and across a wide variety of other stations in the Northwest. We're very pleased to say uh, that Daryl joins us on the line right now. Daryl, firstly, thank you very much for coming on the show. Let's get straight to it. Neil Lennon is the new Bolton manager. Are you happy with the appointment? Yeah, I am actually, and uh, I think it's the first time that I've been happy since uh, the one, two, three, four, five managerial changes we've had since um, the highly successful Allardyce rule. I was a little bit, I was a little bit skeptical about Dougie Friedman. I was a little bit skeptical about Owen Coyle. I was massively skeptical about uh, Gary Megson. I feel like Neil Lennon has a a little bit of. Uh, like a bit of enthusiasm to him, you know. I feel like I feel like we've got we've got a good opportunity here. There's an optimism around him. Uh, he's already said that he, he wants the the under twenty ones to train with the first team. Uh, I don't think that they were that involved under Dougie Friedman. So I mean, he, he from the get go, he's kind of saying clean slate. Everyone's got a, a chance to, to start afresh, and perhaps that's what you need. Yeah, hundred percent. It's probably worth noting a couple of tweets that um, were floating around on the internet a couple of days after Dougie Friedman was was let go by Bolton. From Greg Wilde in particular, who was a, who was a former youth player at Bolton, who I think left under Dougie Friedman's uh, leadership. He was saying that he alienated uh, the youth uh, players. He wasn't picking um, players based on their uh, on, on their talents. He wasn't picking players based on their work rate. He was he, he was ignoring. Uh, young talents coming through, which is, is is sort of true, sort of not true. There, there were a couple of cases of young players coming through the ranks under Dougie Friedman, but clearly he's at the, inside the squad. Clearly he was a part of it, so um, so, so clearly he can speak truth, I guess. We've talked a lot on this show in the last couple of years, ever since Bolton got relegated from the Premier League, about the strength of the squad. Do you actually think that squad is strong enough? Um, no, I think it's I think it's a horrendously weakened squad. If you look back to the squad that um, Sam Allardyce built, and you look at the players and you look at the names that came through to play for us, there were question marks over the amount of money that was being paid to those people. I think we we, we paid wages beyond what our bank balance could uh, handle. Um, we're in a situation now where we've got a, a debt of £190 million. It's a weird kind of debt, which is owed to the club's owner, Eddie Davis. So it's not like it's with a bank or, or with an outside investor. It is with it is sort of almost within the club, if that makes sense. Um, but we overplayed for players' wages, but we still, uh, you know, it, it led to great success. You would think that that success could then lead on to, to other things. Bolton suffers from the fact that he doesn't have a particularly big fan base and it isn't a particularly attractive club for um, people abroad to get excited about 
moment, that's obviously where the money's at. But you look at JJ Akocha, we had Yuri Jokiev, we had Nicholas Anelka. Fernando Hierro, back in Hierro, the day. Ivan Campo, uh, Bruno and Gotti. You know, yeah, I mean, Yossi Eskalainen was one of the best. Less so Bruno and Gotti, I've got to be honest. Yossi Eskalainen was one of the best seeds in the, in, the, um, in the Premier League for consistently for about 10 years. And slowly over time, that's been diminished. But I think that Gary Megson, it's, 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 to be fair to him, had a good eye for a player. He brought in a couple of good players. He managed Nicholas Anelka really well. He also uh, brought in Chung Young Lee, who was who is a great um, uh, South Korean player who is still at the club and has great potential. He suffered a really horrible injury a couple of years ago, which kind of set him back a little bit. But he's he's he's, he's got a great potential. He could be in a in a in a European side easily. Owen Coyle brought in a couple of journeyman uh, journeyman players that night. Was one of our star signings, as was Chris Eagles. Um, following that, Dougie Friedman has completely and utterly decimated the squad. I mean, we're clearly in a position where he hasn't got a lot of money to play with. That's understandable, but still bringing in players which just add up to the job. Well, Daryl, you say the debts that the club are in as well, hundreds of millions of pounds that they suffer. Where does Phil Gartside uh, and Eddie Davies stand in amongst all this? What, what sort of blame should they take? on top of uh, what Dougie's taken in terms of losing his job? Well, it's an interesting one, really, because it's, uh, this debt is owed to Eddie Davis. So it's Eddie Davis's debt. He's ploughed a lot of money into this club as a bit of a passion project, but it's a, that's a very expensive passion project. The only real uh, the only real debt that we have to anybody else who, uh, you know, what would you might you might say is a serious debt is a £5 million overdraft to Barclays. I think that was reduced to a £2 million overdraft when we fell into the championship. But that debt is with Burns and Leisure. I would say the vast majority of that money has been spent on players' wages, attracting people like JJ Akocha and Yuri Jokiev and Ivan Campo and Yero and people like that to the club. But we've got to a point where the rubber's been pulled and we've plummeted because of it. We can't build a team now because of that. So Neil Lennon's going to have to work with the players he's got. We've still got a good, a good crop of players in there. We've still got um, the likes of Mark Davis, who is a great midfielder. We have this um, horrible period during a season with Owen Coyle where Mark Davis and Stuart Holden um, were both injured. Stuart Holden, a, a, a good US international. We got through to the, semi, the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, we were doing well in the Premier League. Owen Coyle was having a, a great uh, honeymoon period and then that all sort of followed on by a couple of injuries including a Fabrice Mwamba heart attack which was like, the worst of luck uh, for all concerned. For and things started to plummet but we still do have a couple of good players but we're in a difficult situation. We don't have any money to spend. We don't have any money to spend on transfers. We don't have any money to spend on wages. And so it's all about man management now. It all comes down to how you play your cards. And I think Boogie Friedman, on one hand, is an awful, uh, is awful uh, at that element of football. And I think, I hope, that Neil Lennon will fare better. It's interesting you mentioned that FA Cup semi-final. Um, I remember that quite well. And it does almost, looking back, look like it's kind of just... But that was kind of a real watershed moment. Like ever since that game, it's been really downhill ever since. The squad has slowly but surely been stripped of its quality, and even the players that are left that performed well at some points during their careers in the Premier League seem to have lost their way. But the problem is they're still on Premier League wages, but not de- delivering Premier League performances. But like yeah. just the finances as well, just an absolute joke. There was a, a great article last week in, in the Guardian by Daniel Taylor, where he went through the whole sort of situation. And there was you know, one example was that you paid £300,000 to an agent to sign Gavin McCann, which ended yeah. up in like a legal battle about trying not to pay it in the end. But I mean, that, that's an example, you know, just wildly overspending on, on agents' fees. Like that, you don't need to pay that much for an agent. That's nearly 30% on a £1 million transfer for, you know, what... Uh, uh, very much average player. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even spend yeah, exactly. 300 grand on Gavin McCann you know, himself. It, it's, it's all well and good Phil Gartside rubbishing the questions about the finances saying, oh, it's not real debt. It's Eddie Davis is fine. To, you, know, you, you shouldn't be £168 million in debt even if it is to someone who's happy to throw his money away because what happens if he decides you know, one day that he wants some of it back or he's, he's an old man. You know, He's not going to yeah. be here forever to continue to bankroll the, the club. You know, Financial fair play is in, is in place to stop this sort of thing happening. So Gartside's got to take some responsibility surely you can't run a football club like this 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. It has a hell of a lot to answer for. And it's kind of difficult because on one hand, I mean, there are the horrible, horrible examples of things like £300,000 in agency fees. There was also some, some serious questions asked about um, Sam Allardyce's son being an agent and mm-hmm. being um, involved in some of those uh, in some of those movements as well, in some of those business deals. And yeah, Dark Side's got to take a lot of responsibility for that. On the other hand, as a Bolton fan, I'm sat here thinking, well, that's what paid, in, in part, that's what paid for an, an incredible 10 years of, of glory. That's what paid for Chelsea Kutcher and, and, um, and, and Joe Kiev and, and even Campo, and that's what got us into Europe. And so I think it's, it's difficult because it is, in a sense, clean money in that it's coming from Eddie Davis and it's coming for an investment from the club's parents' company. Um, so it, it, it does remain an odd kind of debt and Dartside has spoken in the local press um, back in Bolton a little bit about, about that and about how we need to respect Eddie Davis and we don't need to worry about this debt and we should in fact be thanking everybody at the club for, for making all this happen and for giving us years of sort of free money. Um, if you will, but as you rightly say, it doesn't it doesn't stack up like that, does it? We also have to consider financial fair play rules. Gartside will claim that we are coming in line with financial fair play rules quicker and more effectively than other clubs, but that remains to be seen. But you're right to say that, that FA Cup semi final was a huge turning point for for the club and for the for the team and we just never seem to recover. It seems to be cursed in every element. Amazing to think, isn't it? What November two thousand and seven, so that's what, coming up on seven years ago, Bolton were playing Bayern Munich in the yeah. Allianz Arena in Europe and yeah, now I was the- there I was there I was, I was in the Allianz Arena it was, it was I'm, I'm, that is the, the point that a lot of Bolton fans reference back to we've got a 2-2 two, two draw and it was one of the best days in our club's history and we were already we were already sort of on the slide by that point our, yeah. our um, Premier League uh, results were struggling Gary Megson wasn't having great fortunes but we were still in a fantastic position. Well, if you look at the table now, you're not in a fantastic position. One win from 11 games, eight defeats, only eight goals so far. It's a huge job Neil Lennon's got on his hands. He's five points off safety already. And um, the short-term goal this season has just got to be to stay in the championship, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, unfortunately, that's, a, that's the reality of the situation. I think there'll be probably, uh, there may be a few uh, optimists out there who think that we can, if we can have a huge a, a, a dramatic turnaround. I mean, actually, credit to Dougie Freeman when he came in, roughly around this time, probably, as well. We were in a similar position, not quite as dire. We were, we were in a similar position, and uh, we came a point off the playoffs that season. So, well, we came a goal off the playoffs, actually, was the last day of the season. But anyway, we, we, we just missed out. So, I don't think anybody really saw that come in. Bottom line is, we find ourselves in a position now where we are bottom of the championship after 10 years of glory. We've probably been spoiled. We're hugely frustrated. I mean, we've had we've had um, a lack of recognition for 10 years. I mean, I, I remember there was there was a, a beautiful moment, and I wanted to get this in, there was a beautiful moment when on the last day of the season, um, it was the day that uh, Manchester City spectacularly won the, the Premier League, so um, obviously we were completely overshadowed by that. But Alan Hansen made a comment that Bolton has always, always been in and around the bottom three. Nobody really expected them to stay in the Premier League for that long. We've been in Europe. Mm. You what are you talking about? I mean, that is the kind of thing that has, 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 does, does kind of contribute to us being in a bad position because it's not a club that anybody really wants to buy into, is it? Well, it's from that point of view, it's great that a manager who's you know been in the Champions League and has won trophies in Scotland is willing to accept the challenge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That I think is what is leading to a lot of people to feel very optimistic about this. It's also a move that Phil Garside absolutely had to make. The, the rap that Phil Gartside is getting from the fans, whilst the financial element is obviously important, and I think there are there are a lot of people among the fan among the fan base who are questioning that and who are keeping a very close eye on that. We live and die by our results, and I think the chairman lives and dies by the managers that he picks. And we can't let you go, Daryl, um, without talking about your mum, who uh, became the talk of the town in Bolton a couple of weeks ago. Now, a lot of people might have seen this on Twitter. I think we retweeted it. It got like 250, 300 retweets. Um, tell us the story. Paint the picture, if you would. Yes. So I am uh, <laughs> responding on Twitter to a couple of people. Um, uh, the news came through that Dougie Freeman had been had been sacked, uh, or obviously seen this news, and got a text excitedly from my mum saying that it had been announced on the Tannoy in Asda yes. um, on Middlebrook, which is a, a shopping centre near where my uh, family home is in um, in Bolton. That Dougie Freeman had been fired. She was <laughs> the part of the guy on the Tannoy was really excited. My was a little bit confused but wanted to tell me about it 
and it just I, I took a screenshot and put it on Twitter and it snowballed it snowballed from there really um, it made the local press it was in the both of these I text my mum said I'm sorry I said I hope you don't mind but I've put the the screenshot of your text up on Twitter and it's now made the both of these and she was a little bit concerned about the fact that there's going to be bad comments she, she spends her whole life reading horrible comments on, um, on newspaper, newspaper websites and I said no there's absolutely no chance I've got a couple here up in front of me um, WSW69 said who the hell is Daryl Morris uh, <laughs> the, the hand says Daryl I don't know who he is uh, but well done for putting it out on the Asda airwaves now he's a legend apparently I work on the Asda airwaves <laughs> it all goes wrong mate Desperate to reply to that one. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, and, and actually, they were, they were pretty horrible in the end. So oh. um, I have to apologise to my mum for uh, for shoving her in that in that uh, in that lion's den. Brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, good to talk to you. I'm not I'm not quite sure what the crossover is audience wise between a football league podcast and the Hits Breakfast Show, but do you want to give it a plug anyway? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, weekday mornings from seven a.m. for things you will be uh, largely disinterested in. I would imagine, but we'll have a laugh. Brilliant, Daryl. Thanks a lot, mate. Take care. That's Daryl Morris, a radio presenter, big Bolton fan, and most importantly, the son of the woman who made the Bolton news a couple of weeks ago. Is your mum called Vivian, Daryl? Yeah, there we go. Thought I'd get it right. Uh, next, we're going to uh, talk about two more managers who've just bitten the bullet. We're off to Merseyside and the North East. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So to Prenton Park then, where on Saturday Tranmere Rovers lost 1-0 at home to Plymouth Argyle in League 2 to mark a run of four straight defeats, no wins in seven, and as Nick Hilton in the Liverpool Echo described it, no unity, no understanding, only two goals in ten and a half hours of football. Needless to say, after they dropped to the bottom of the Football League following that defeat, the manager Rob Edwards was sacked by the new Tranmere chairman Mark Palios, who DC you spoke to, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, Recently when he uh, took over the club and on that show you might remember it was a mini episode a couple of months back uh, DC asked uh, Mark if he was hopeful that Rob Edwards and the squad could have a successful season uh, under him this year Yes I am uh, and indeed uh, being aware of that I mean I hadn't chosen Rob as the manager you know, he was choosing his own squad it was all done before I came in uh, but one of the things that I did do was to talk to him before we came in to understand what his plans were and they seem sensible. I like the way he set, he set about the job. I like the way he sets up the team. You know, he needs to really get a good start to the season uh, because by October we, we've had a third of our games through and uh, that really sets the tone for the rest of the season. So that was Mark Palios, the Tranmere Rovers chairman, speaking to you. When would that have been then, do you reckon? Start of September? Late August? Sometime around then? Something like that, yeah. yeah something like that. Uh, so that was uh, Mark talking to us, cautiously optimistic about Rob Edwards' chances of succeeding. But it hasn't worked out that way. As we said, he's been sacked. And on the line right now to give his reaction is Paul Harper, the co-host of the Totally Tranmere podcast. Uh, Paul, thanks very much for coming on the show. Tranmere Rovers, bottom of the Football League. It's a bit of a sorry old mess at the minute, isn't it? It is, yeah. Lowest point of definitely of my uh, my time supporting the club. But uh, yeah, you know, disappointed that it hasn't worked out for Rob. You know, he's worked really hard to try and build a, you know, the foundations for a long-term success. And unfortunately, as we know, you know, it's all about sort of short-term goals with a lot of football clubs. And, and obviously, Tram is no different. You know, we've fallen from League One last season and kind of expected to, uh, maybe not to bounce back up straight away, but to, to have a, a consolidation season. And, and really, you know, the first 12 games have been disastrous to uh, to put it bluntly it's quite interesting reading the statement from Mark Palios um, you know, often you, you expect there to be the, the same old platitudes trotted out in these things but he's actually got into a bit of detail as to why perhaps his decision has been made apart from obviously the fact that the bottom of the, the entire football league but in terms of the playing style he seems to like the way you play but basically just saying that uh, we have also not been sufficiently pragmatic enough when circumstances demanded that we close out a game to secure a win so there's you know an, an admirable an admirable commitment to, to playing good football but perhaps a little bit more steel and determination and kind of guts to, to win these games or, or draw these games that have ultimately uh, ended in you getting no points yeah you know it's to be fair to Rob, you know the philosophy that he's he's brought in has been has been really good. I've really enjoyed watching the team 
try to play. You know, they're trying to play the right way, which is which is good and which is something that I I want to see. You know, the team going out there with the right sort of philosophy. Unfortunately, you know, results have to come on top of that as well. And uh, obviously, they, they haven't done it at the, at the moment. We've got a young team. And I think it's Rob keeps going on, or he kept going on when in his press conferences about know-how. And I think uh, we've got a young team who really have been on the back of the relegation last season. You know, the, the club has been losing matches for the last sort of 18 months, really. So it's just sort of that, that I'm not sure it's a losing mentality, but it's, it's that losing momentum that's really carried over from last season. And unfortunately, Rob's not been able to uh, to stop that, unfortunately. Take us back to the end of last season and where it's gone from there in terms of the squad you've got and what's left over, essentially, because... There's quite a big squad that Tramway have got there, so it's not a it's not a lack of players. There's not an over reliance on low knees. So, has there been much of a turnover, or have things been pretty stagnant since the summer? I think really, you know, the, the better players. I think uh, the likes of someone like James Wallace. I know he's, he hasn't played a lot of football, but um, he was the, he was a club captain. He left. Obviously, Ryan Lowe is the the main one. You know, the one that scored all our goals last season. He left to, to join Berry. So some key players left over the summer. So there was a, a turnaround of such. We've kept probably about 11 or 12 players, mostly mostly the younger sort of professionals, 20, 21-year-olds, who have stayed along. And Rob sort of brought in about 10, 12 players over the, uh, over the course of the, over the, the summer transfer window. Unfortunately, one or two of those probably aren't good enough to make the grade, if I'm honest. Um, but but a lot of them I've been impressed with individually. It's just that that kind of team um, togetherness is not really it's not really just it hasn't really clicked. And um, although you know we've got good individuals in the squad, and I fully believe that we're we're much more capable of, of finishing a lot higher than the position we're currently sitting in. But you know it's all about results, as I say at the at the end of the day, and results have been been really poor. Was it perhaps a case then of Mark Palios coming in a, a month too late, perhaps? And by the time he came in in, what, well, mid-August or something? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, so mid-August, late August, so th- there just wasn't enough time to, to bring some decent players in? Absolutely, yeah. I think you're, you're spot on there. I think if Mark Palios had come in right on the back of, of last season and sort of given a bit of a bigger budget to, to the manager, I think we could have assembled a, a you know a stronger squad and, and put you know a, a better start of the uh, of the season together. But you know things <laughs> things like this happen. You know he came in the end of August, so the end of the transfer window, and really all the business had been done. All the better players had, had made their moves, and we're kind of stuck now in a position where we need to strengthen the team if we can to try and boost results. And you're looking at loan players, and, and really. The only real players that we're able to attract and afford are, are, you know, the young kids from from Championship or maybe a Premier League team. And uh, you know, we tried we tried that with uh, Matthias Fanimo from West Ham. It didn't really work out. So, you know, it's uh, back to square one on that front. When I spoke to Mark Palios, one of the first things he said when I asked him why he decided to get involved in Tranmere, him and his wife, uh, he said was because he looked at the team after after the relegation last season, and and thought to himself, they could tumble through the leagues here. They could go out of the football league. You know, they're in that bad a way. I, I need to come in, stabilise things and make sure that, you know, a plummet doesn't happen. And look at them now. Bottom of the league, without a manager. And, you know, it's on. The relegation battle is on. You know, as, as tight as this league is, if you put some results together, you could rise. However, it's very easy to get embroiled down in that in that, in that that battle and, and be right down there all season, such as the, the negative momentum that is that is at the club. So, you know, it's a real bleak situation as it stands, despite there being money available, as Palos has said on more than one occasion, to strengthen the squad at some point. He's got to get the appointment right and he's got to get some players in. And it's not easy, as you've just said, to attract players to the club that's... At the bottom of the football league. Well, if you think that Carlisle as well, who were down at the bottom, have just appointed a new manager and they've won three straight games. So that might have further made him think, well, if I can make that switch, and then maybe we can have a similar run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've seen it with teams hundreds of times in the past, change the manager, and you see an upturn in fortunes. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the same players can uh, can put a you know a better performance in for for a new manager. Sometimes it's it's strange how it works like that. But 
I think uh, you know it's definitely a, a massive, massive decision now to make. Um, we went we went down the road of, of trying to appoint a young manager to, to, mm. with a, a long term goal. Now it looks like we're looking for um, someone with a bit more experience for the for the short term to keep us basically keep us in the football league. Well, what usually happens in these situations with Tranmere is that you appoint Ronnie Moore. Um, <laughs> but I suppose that's out of the window this time. I would like to think so. Uh, you know, Ronnie's a, a club legend. I, I, I love him to bits, but after what happened last season and all the kind of, um, not just the stuff on the pitch, because on the pitch we were terrible as well, but off the pitch, you know, there's the well-documented uh, saga that went on last season. And uh, yeah, I think we need to look a bit a bit further into the future than, uh, than looking back and, and appointing someone like Ronnie again. Have you heard any sort of rumours or, or, or links that have got any substance to them. I mean, if you look at the odds, which aren't always a reliable indicator of these sort of things, Dave Jones is odds on. Uh, but then you go right out to people like James Beattie, Robbie Fowler, Mickey Adams, Dean Saunders, you know, who, who are quite long odds, all of those. So if the bookies are to be believed, Dave Jones is a, is a possibility, although I'd be perhaps a little bit surprised that he'd want to drop down that far. Yeah, Dave Jones has been at uh, the last two home matches sat next to Mr Pallios so read into that what you want Mm -hmm. Um, apparently Mickey Adams has been sort of there's rumours going around about uh, Mickey Adams former Port Vale boss um, being strongly linked to the the job this evening Um, rumours going around that he's been interviewed I don't know anything about that but somebody of that Dave Jones would be a great appointment surely someone of his experience yeah, he's got plenty of experience. You know, he's managed at you know high, much higher levels than than League Two. Um, he's local. He's a, you know he's a scouser. Um, I'm sure he's he's more than <laughs> more than wanting to uh, to get back into the uh, into the sort of managerial merry-go-round, if you like. So uh, somebody like that would would be good. Mickey Adams again. I wouldn't be disappointed with that one either. Paul, thanks very much for speaking to us. Uh, do you want to give a quick plug for your podcast while you're on? Yeah, you can check us out at totallytrammerpodcast.co.uk. You find us on iTunes and, and all the rest of it. But, Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Thanks, mate. Best of luck for the uh, the rest of the season. Hope it improves. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, that's Paul Harper from the uh, Totally Tranmere podcast and from one struggling uh, League Two side to another. Uh, just over a week ago, Hartlepool United slumped to the bottom of the Football League following a 3-0 home defeat to Carlisle. It was their sixth game without a win and it culminated in their manager, Colin Cooper, handing in his resignation. He'd been in charge of the club since May last year and he'd led pulls to a 19th place finish last season and as so often happens in football a new manager caretaker Sam Collins in charge at the weekend Hartlepool went and climbed off the bottom with a 2-1 win at Exeter but where do they go for the next manager uh, who can finally lift the gloom and end over two years of dire form earlier on we caught up with Nick Laughlin who's the sports editor of the Northern Echo and I started by asking Nick how he'd sum up Colin Cooper's time in charge at the club Probably quite underwhelming, to be honest. Um, he came in with, and it's, I think he goes with it as well, quite a reputation for developing youth players and being a, a really good youth coach. His background when he came to Pools was from the um, academy at Middlesbrough, which is you know one of the best in the land, really, um, with a constant conveyor belt of players going from academy through the first team. But for me, his time at Pools, he sort of relied on that too much. Um, it was too easy for him to go back to Middlesbrough to try and make signings from their academy players who were untried and tested and I think a manager in League 2 level needs a bigger contacts book than just 10 mile down the road really don't they you know you look at the experienced heads out there who know anyone and everyone in football and I think Colin Cooper's downfall was that he was very limited in um, in his contacts really I think if, if you look at the, the sort of ins and outs uh, from Hartlepool this summer it kind of does paint a picture of, of maybe the difficulties of a club like Hartlepool no money spent on any transfer fees um, two, yeah, the two, I mean, the two players the case, who yeah. came in as you just said Matthew Bates and Stuart Parnaby on free transfers from Middlesbrough and then uh, a bit later on than that in August 35 year old Tommy Miller uh, on a free transfer hasn't played much football lately and uh, Michael Woods from non-league Harrogate Town who was one of those two players if you remember many moons ago bought by Chelsea for 5 million from Leeds United as teenagers but he subsequently done nothing in the game so not exactly uh, you know awe-inspiring signings there's been a few young loan players uh, as again as you mentioned from clubs in the North East Middlesbrough Sunderland uh, and, and Newcastle so you're fishing in a very limited pool with not much money so I mean regardless of whether that's uh, whoever is in charge, really, whether it be Colin Cooper or anyone else, it is a very difficult situation. 
Yeah, it is, and that's where, you know, that's what I say, that's where a manager at that level of pools needs to work the oracle, really, in the transfer market. And, um, yeah, you know, you see he signed uh, Matthew Bates, Stuart Parnaby. Both, I mean, you're in the North East, they're two players who everyone knows, and mm. Matthew Bates, probably if it wasn't for, I think he had five cruciate knee ligament injuries over the years, which is some misfortune. It wasn't for that, you know, he'd probably still be playing the Premier League. Um, he's lost that pace, that movement he had. And really, you know, Stuart Parnaby, you look at his track record, injuries-wise over the years, I'd be quite surprised if we saw him play again to be honest he's been that disappointing since he came to Pools um, and yeah you know then he goes back to the loan signings and there's a couple in you know Scott Harrison young centre half from Sunderland really good prospect one to watch um, Charlie White another lad from Middlesbrough who Cooper knows well he was on loan at um, Wimbledon last season did well down there come back to Pools for the second time on loan and he's um, he looks good he looks better for it as well um, and I think you know as and when the new manager comes in you just like to see a bit more Yes, you know, as you say, hands are tied, finances, money-wise, etc. But, you know, they did rake in best part of a million pounds for Luke James and Jack Baldwin, two players who went to Peterborough in the last two transfer windows. So, you know, the purse strings will be tightened without going and spending um, big, big transfer... Well, not even transfer fees, really, no mind big transfer fees. Uh, but, you know, budget-wise and uh, wages-wise, you'd think that... Uh, and Colin Cooper hinted in the last couple of weeks of his reign that there was a little bit more to play with. So, fingers crossed, whoever does come in, can um can have a little bit of fun in the transfer market. Does that person, if there isn't made spend, have to be an experienced head and thus not Sam Collins? Therefore, can, can it? Does it have to be someone with a lot of experience in the football league, or can they take a take a risk with Sam Collins, perhaps give him the job full time? Yeah, it's it's a really different. If you'd asked me a week ago, I'd said old hands, experienced head, someone who knows the division inside out. Um, you know, you look at the the usual suspects, the normal runners and riders. Brian Laws was up in the running, you know, early on. Russ Wilcox, since he's got the sack from Scunny, um, and I think anyone who was in for the Carlisle job, the Tramley job, the York job, is also probably <laughs> in for the Hartlepool job as well, because they're all sort of a similar a similar ilk, really. Um, there was talk of Graham Kavanagh coming in to help Sam Collins out in the short term, but that's well, he's still favourite. He's still favourite. That can't be yeah, too inspiring, but, um, given he's just been sacked for having his team bottom of the of the league, though. Exactly, and bear in mind, Colin Cooper left when Carlisle jumped over pools at the bottom of the league, so that you know that didn't really inspire. Um, they've just appointed Brian Honor, real club legend, if you like, um, to help out Sam Collins in the coaching front. Just an extra body, really, an extra pair of hands on the training ground. Because since for me, um, since Craig Hignett left pools and went back to Middlesbrough, pools really struggled. Hignett was a, ca- a character, a spark, a real you know, live wire around the club and around the training ground and since then it's been flat so the idea with Sam Collins for me in the last week him he tends to have brought that little spark back and things are, are not as mundane and as dour as they were over the last few weeks and even on Saturday down at Exeter they played quite a, a fresh brand of football if you like compared to how they had been they'd been 4-4-2 rigidly under Cooper um, you know Marlon Harewood played up front regularly and you know I think the, the report in the Carlisle News and Star after the, the one at Pools referred to him as playing in slow motion. <laughs> I think it was quite a, quite an apt term, really. He's been doing that for about 10 years, hasn't he? <laughs> well, people did warn people did warn of that before he signed for Pools, and I think that's been proved the case, to be honest. It's quite um, difficult, isn't it, though, with, um, with a club like... We talked about this already, but once a club sort of goes down the leagues, obviously Hartlepool had the relegation season, season before last, and they finished 19th last season. Now you've not started well this season. It's very difficult, whoever gets appointed, to turn around the momentum of the club at the minute. Absolutely, that's the key. You know, it's not just um, the relegation. Pools sort of were, were hanging on, if you like, a little bit in, in League One a couple of seasons before that. And the, the last five, six, seven years or so, the club sort of ticked over rather than trying to press ahead and press forward. The owners, when the first came, were very ambitious. You know, they got Pools within, I mean, it was 2005, so a few years ago now, but um, eight minutes of reaching the championship in the playoff final at uh, the Millennium Stadium, Sheffield Wednesday. And that's... It, you hope that that was going to be the norm. Instead, that was the high point. And now it's, yeah, it is about survival to a certain extent. And I think this season, if Pools can finish 18th, 16th, 15th, you know, around that mark, it wouldn't be a success, but at least they're, they're out the bottom two, which is, you know, the worry for, as you see now, you know, with everyone in the bottom, I think it's four out of the bottom six have replaced the manager in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it proves that shows what, uh, what's at stake, doesn't it? If you are going to survive this season, you're certainly going to need to score more goals than you have uh, so far. Seven goals in 12 matches in the league, which Absolutely. is terrible. I, mean, I, mentioned Mar- I mentioned Marlon Harewood there and yeah, you know, he's, he's certainly not the answer up front. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think he's ever been prolific, but, you know, he's been 
whatever power pace he had, that's sort of gone. And um, I can't see him playing in the immediate future. And I think fair play to Sam Collins because he's engineered a formation in the last couple of games, which has um, suited the players really. And you know he's playing a bit sort of four two three one. So there's four players who are just sort of not running riot, but they're having a good go, a good roam around up front. And there's a lot of fluidity and freedom about the team at the moment. And I go back to Charlie Wyke, you know, from Middlesbrough, he looks, at the moment, he looks like a goal scorer. I think that Saturday at Exeter, they created six, seven, eight chances, whereas in the two, three previous games, they created one chance down at Plymouth, none at home to Portsmouth, and one at home to Carlisle. And that was two, so that's two chances in three games, which was, unfortunately, that was becoming the norm. So to get six, seven, eight chances in one game at Exeter, it was pretty much like Christmas come early, really. Does there seem to be a sort of a, a widely held view amongst the Hartlepool fans as to who they want to take over? No. There's a groundswell for an experienced head, like, you know, mention again, Brian Laws, Russ Wilcox, someone who's been there, done it, seen it and what have you. Um, but then, you know, there's Mark Venus, Hartlepool lad, former Middlesbrough mm. coach, who's pretty keen to get, you know, he's always been um, a number two to Tony Mowbray and he's very keen to, to make his own mark in management and he's got a lot of support possibly because he's a Hartlepool lad, but he's got a bit of pedigree and a bit of nous about him as well. He's been to a couple of games, you know, lately. So he's he's in the frame as well. He's, you know, quite a popular choice. Is Sam Collins the man? I don't know. If Pools win the next two, three games with him in charge and there is a bit of a, a bit of life around the place now after it was very, very flat, then do you give it to Sam Collins and say, There you go, you've proved yourself, now's your chance, keep us up. But Short term, maybe get that lift, but long term, would you get the lift to see them through at the end of the season? I don't know. That's the the million dollar question, isn't it? That's the. I think this is for me probably the most important managerial appointment in the club's history, really. Because if they get it drastically wrong, there's only one place to go, isn't there? Brilliant, Nick. Thanks very much for, uh, for for speaking to us. I'm just looking actually at the next three games. We've got Luton, Accrington and Cambridge, three teams that are all doing quite well at the minute. So it's not going to get any easier in the short term. Uh, Nick, take care. Thanks for that. No problem. Pleasure, lads. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Nick Laughlin, who is the uh, deputy sports editor. Oh, sorry, the sports editor. Doing you wrong there, Nick. Uh, the sports editor of the Northern Echo. And uh, we mentioned some of the other managers uh, who have lost their jobs. We'll talk about them in just a second. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So, shall we uh, start with your boys then, DC? Just what the hell is going on? Uh, Vicarage Road, four managers in thirty-seven. You've already, haven't you? A few times, thirty-seven days. <laughs> yeah. Billy McKinley, the latest to go since we did the last show. Mm. Who's your new uh, new boss now? Yukanovic. Can't yeah. say it. Yukanovic. Yes, yeah. Levisa Yukanovic. Who, who's even football fans in this country may know him from a a very much inglorious spell as a Chelsea midfielder under Ranieri in, in the noughties. Uh, I think widely considered to be one of the worst players Chelsea have had in the modern <laughs> era. So let's hope he's a better manager. Does have a little bit of track record in terms of trophy winning uh, as a manager over in his native Serbia. However, um, I've got no problem with him. I wish him all the best and hopefully he'll continue to uh, keep us steady on the pitch as we have been so far this season. I am very disappointed in Watford. For the first time, since the Pozzo family took over Watford two and a half years ago now. You know, despite all the criticism they've got in various quarters of the media, I've pretty much defended them all the way. And I think they've been good value. And they've they've made sensible decisions and they've explained all the decisions they've made pretty well. And by and large, most of them have worked out reasonably well so far. However, the way they've treated Billy McKinley, I think, is appalling. It doesn't matter that they're determined to bring success to the football club and that they're looking at it in a cold-hearted, business-like manner and this is the thing they need to do and they need to be brave and they've you know, they changed their mind. It's important the way you operate as a football club and the way you carry yourself and the way you, you do business. Appointing someone as manager and then deciding eight days later, after he's left mm. a job with, you know, with Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland to take over your manager, after he's waited for 10 years to get a job uh, as, a, as a manager in English football, to tell him eight days later, ah, sorry, mate, we don't actually think you're the right man anymore. We want somebody with more experience than you. So we're going to go and get somebody who's never managed in this country before, who's never really managed a big club as such. So he has experience as being a manager, but he doesn't have any more experience of English football. But, but we would like you to stay. Do you want to stay on and be coach? I mean, he rightly told them where to go because it was an appallingly dealt with situation by Watford and I'm very disappointed in the club. But it's done, unfortunately. Mm. They've done it and you know they, they did come out, they did front up and say, look, this is why we've done it. 
doesn't make it right in my opinion but it is done so we've got to get behind the new manager Daniel Francis on Twitter a bit confused but still cautiously optimistic uh, following the change Andy Fox the position is head coach and we were warned to expect frequent change it's the nature of the club now a little bit disenchanted the he weird, tweets the weird scenario though Dave must be of course you are still level yeah. top essentially 21 points third place great start to the it's, season, it's not like you're third from bottom is no, it no, it's, no, it's no. this weird scenario I suppose well it's mm. strange because I mean the, the first change Sanino probably could and should have gone in the summer in in hindsight, looking at all the problems that there were uh, behind the scenes that, that we we eventually uncovered, and Garcia was a good replacement for for you know face value. We weren't to know that he was going to get heart problems and, and health problems, and it was totally the right decision for him to to stand down if that was the you know the case that his health needed needed some time to be focused on. Totally right to do that. So that's that's the unfortunate part, and then, but it's just after that. Yeah. I mean, it's the club were forced into appointing McKinley, I suppose, uh, you know, a drop of a hat, and they 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 obviously made a bad decision. They they rushed it, and quickly they realised they made the wrong one. But they could have just all all could have been avoided if they just said McKinley was caretaker. Lesson to um, football managers everywhere: sign a bloody contract if you're yeah. going to take one I of these do, jobs. Well, I do think he got some compensation though. So that's that, right. Um, Russ Wilcox. Uh, won nine out of his last 32 games he's been sacked by Scunthorpe they brought in Mark Robinson as their new manager he did have a record breaking 28 match unbeaten run uh, last season he was named LMA manager of the year he won a special merit award he played for the club for six years he was assistant manager and caretaker before becoming the actual manager Jeff Stelling called this a shameful sacking and the Scunthorpe chairman Peter Swan was not happy about it and there was no, a bit of a tete-a-tete on soccer Saturday great, wasn't it? at the weekend he it was put great. up a decent fight there, I thought uh, yeah, Peter Swan I he did justify so. it you know, quite simply more or less make it sound as it was you know it's a business and he needs to do the best for that business. And I thought it was a very good argument, one which you don't often hear, of course. Mm. Well, yeah, we that, we that all love a... Jeff Stelling, but we do. I, th- I thought he got he got tall one a bit there on Saturday. Well, I mean, Jeff, Jeff had, you know, it was I think Jeff was... His heart was in the right place. Well, yeah, and what he was saying to, to the chairman was, was right, really. You Surely you can understand why from my position, from Jeff's position, he would think that the decision was a poor one because of, for all those reasons you've just read out you know the guy has served the club very well as a player and manager and you you could th- you could be forgiven for thinking that he would deserve a bit more time but it was refreshing to see the chairman speak on live television and justify the decision in great detail because uh, you don't see that enough you know as as we'll allude to uh, as we'll come on to in, in a short while all too often there's a short couple of paragraph statements littered with cliches uh, and that's it and you don't ever really get much insight you know maybe until years and years down the line so I think it's good that chairman they're going to make these decisions they've got to stand by them and tell us why they've done them Mark Robbins left Huddersfield after one game at the start of the season Um, he's one of these managers he always seems to lose his job and then he'll be back in another one very soon after um, but um, they did win three nil. Job soon, but, yeah. <laughs> they did win three nil, didn't they, at Gillingham uh, on Saturday? I thought so I was Scunthorpe fans will be able to say this better than me. But uh, Swindon played Scunthorpe on the opening day of the season, and I went and watched them. And given this record-breaking run that the club went on for for the best part of the end of last season as well, after about twenty minutes of the game against Swindon, they were completely abject at the back. They were all over the place as well. So what happened over the summer? Um, is one that we perhaps may never know now, of course. But yeah, Mark Robbins. Well, they did lose. They, now. they did lose a top goal scorer in Sam Winnell. That's true. He um, scored against uh, Bradford. But they still got. You know, they, they brought in Billy Key in the early stages of the season for a bit of money. He was a player that scored goals at League Two level. Has to make a bit of a step up to to League One. But you know, that's that's still a, got Paddy Madden there, haven't they? Paddy Madden scored yeah. goals at League One level before. Dion Burton's a very experienced campaigner who you think could add something, if not on the pitch, certainly off the pitch. So. It's not bereft of no. experience. Gary McSheffrey's still knocking about there. You know, Jonas and Myrie Williams is a player that at times is, is impressed. So there are there are players there. Um, but we interested to see what Mark Robbins done. He's made a good start. Here's a tweet from the real John Stokes. Lads, a pedant writes, please remember that Nigel Worthington resigned against the board's wishes. He's the final manager of the six that we haven't talked about. Mm. He's left York City. Again, after, on paper, a bit like with Russ Wilcox, a pretty good run last season. They finished seventh in the table. They lost to Fleetwood in the playoffs. They were 17 matches unbeaten at the end of the season. In fact, they stretched that in regular league games to 23, but they've only won one of their what, first 11, 12 games so far this season. And uh, it might be a case of him sort of taking the club as far as they, he can go and all that kind of thing. They started pretty badly last season from memory as That's well, true, didn't yeah. they? And then, as you said, they went on this pretty good run as well. So perhaps, yeah, he's just had one too many miraculous comebacks. He just feels that if the time is right now, it's not going to happen again. Bit of a strange one, that, though, because you think uh, he's not really going to get a better job than that at the minute. I wouldn't have thought. No, but maybe I think the most important thing is that if your heart isn't in it, 
Mm. And if once you've come to that decision internally and you've accepted the fact that maybe you haven't got it in, you haven't got that enthusiasm and that drive, then you've got to do it straight away. There's no use hanging on. And as I'm sure many managers have done, I think I'll, I'll probably just hang on for a bit and get a payoff or whatever, or, mm. you know, just blindly forge ahead in the hope that something will turn, that a miracle will happen, that, you know, be, be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat and get that result. But as he said, you know, the, the second line of his of his resignation statement is the timing of my departure will give the players ample number of games to gain the points needed to ensure they finish in a good position. So he's done it early enough where someone can come in and get these players moving up the table because last season we saw them go on that great run. There's obviously something there, you know, in the squad that can be galvanised, but for whatever reason, Nigel Worthington doesn't feel that he's not that man anymore. Well, this is quite topical because we've talked about six managers there. Paul Vale and Leighton Orient are still without managers. And there's a brilliant new book, which is called Football Clichés, which is by Adam Hurry, uh, who unfortunately uh, isn't uh, able to speak to us on the show this week. We'll get him on at some point before Christmas uh, to talk all, all about it. And DC, you've got an idea. Around the busy festive period, I yes. suppose. You <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hit me with the idea. Well, I mean, there's a wonderful chapter in, in the book. I mean, I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of the great work that Football Cliches have done on Twitter and in writing for the, uh, is it for the Telegraph. Telegraph, yeah, yeah Project Tele- Bab. Telegraph, yeah. Fantastic, you know, real kind of dissecting the, the language that even ourselves use all too often, <laughs> really. Every week. Um, yeah. But there's a great chapter in, in the book called uh, The Managerial Merry-Go-Round where he goes through all the various sayings and statements and 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 turns of phrases that you can expect to hear around, around the time of the, uh, this time of year when managers start to fall by the wayside. So I thought we'd look through the statements of each of the departures that we've just discussed and kind of tick off any of the ones that are on this kind of list. Okay, go on. Right. Let me start. Let me just... <laughs> so, uh, I want to get this done yeah. at some point today, mate. <laughs> the sheer number of managers' sackings has led to a strict script to which official club statements must adhere. Such statements are apparently bound by FA regulations to include... The following. Acting now in the best interest of the club. <laughs> Thanks for your efforts. Always placed on record, though, he says, not sadly in the musical sense. <laughs> um, we have got a well wisher, wishing managers well for the future and hoping to appoint a new manager as soon as possible. Uh, and it goes on. So should we just have a look through some of these statements and just kind of see how cliched they really are. Go on then. We need some kind of fancy music for this. Don't really have any. Yeah. any. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with Bolton. Bolton, okay. Right. Uh, Dougie has worked tirelessly off the field to improve the infrastructure of the football club. Unfortunately, recent results on the pitch have not reflected all his work off it. The club has faced a difficult time following our relegation from the Premier League and Dougie has helped to restructure the club in order for it to become successful again under ever-tightening constraints. I would like to thank Dougie personally for all his commitment and efforts for Bolton Wanderers. I think that's one, isn't that's it? That's one, yeah. one for Bolton. Okay, Watford. Uh, Watford, okay. Our job, <laughs> our job is always to act in the best long-term interest of the football club. <laughs> is that it? Uh, well, that's the first okay. line. Yeah, that, that'll do, won't it? Okay, uh, Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe United have today terminated the contracts of manager Russ Wilcox and assistant manager John Schofield with immediate effect. The club would like to place on record <laughs> their thanks to Russ and John for their efforts, but in particular to Russ for leading the iron into League One. Next, we'll go to Tranmere. Tranmere. Tranmere Rovers manager Rob Bevels has today left Prenton Park after his contract was terminated by the club. Chairman Mark Palios said, Rob is a decent man who has worked very hard over the past few months for the football club. However, with the club currently sitting at the bottom of League Two for the first time in 32 years, it was decided this was the right time to make the break. I remain committed to the vision that Rob shared of playing free-flowing and skillful football. And it goes on. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, it's quite a long one. It's quite oh, a long oh, one, though. Oh, Just oh. hold your ex for, for a second. <laughs> okay. Hold your horses, everyone. Yep. Um, Molly scans down the page. Do nothing after this, Carl? No. <laughs> Not anymore. No. Oh, 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 oh. On a personal note, I would like to wish. I would like to wish Rob well for what comes next for him. What? Just about. Yeah. Right, okay, that's one. Um, we've got York and who else? York and Hartlepool. and Hartlepool to go. Go for Hartlepool, Hartlepool. first. Hartlepool. This is a very short one. Okay. Um, following the 3-0 defeat against Carlisle United at Victoria Park, a 47-year-old Colin Cooper 47 made the year decision old. he had taken the club as far as he could and offered his resignation. We would like to thank Colin for his efforts during the last 18 months. We are glad that we gave him his break in management and would like to wish him every success in the future. <laughs> and York City York to finish. City. Where are they? So many up here, I've lost them. <laughs> He's got a million uh, tabs open. <laughs> right. Well, this is a resignation, you see. So I uh, suppose yeah. 
There is a statement. There is a statement from the board of directors that follows. Uh, it is with great sadness that Nigel Worthington has decided to leave the club. He has been a pleasure to work with and we could not have asked for a more professional and hard-working manager. We will always be grateful to him for the huge <laughs> contribution he made in returning our Football League status and for the great times we had reaching the playoffs last season. We must now focus on the appointment of a new manager and ensuring we secure... The right serv- the services of the right person to take York City Football Club forward. There you go. Adam Hurry's book is out now. It's called Football Clichés. Go and get it. It's excellent. Well, I say that I've not read it, but I'm. If presuming... he ever falls on hard time, he's got a, a ready-made career as a football club press officer. Absolutely. Um, I'm not ready, but if it's as good as everything else he does, I'm sure it's brilliant. Oh, um, yeah. A few other bits to talk about. You see, Sam Woods goal for Wickham at the weekend. Oh, oh yeah, oh, quite. Morecambe on the sort of swivel volley about 40 yards out. Ridiculous goal. Wickham have gone top of League Two. That was because we lost three two at AFC Wimbledon. Wimbledon will be wanting me to go back there whenever they play top of the league in, in future. <laughs> That's twice recently. Big Bayouac. Fenway causing us all kinds of problems again he bagged a couple more he's such a good player for that level I think Wimbledon are going to have a really good season this year um, I'm flying through this Swindon Carl oh. you've not been on all season you're right. having a really good season yeah. you're in the playoffs Lee, open the floor to me thank you very much yeah very much so uh, I'd have taken mid-table we overperformed last season one place out of the playoffs but you know managed to have a very good year. We've lost a few players, obviously the loanees. We brought in a couple from Southampton, uh, one from Liverpool and a couple from elsewhere, I think Derby, uh, but no Spurs loanees this season. Um, a lot of plaudits we are getting uh, from a lot of passing football. We, we played Leighton Orient a couple of weeks Not ago. Not getting many plaudits from stewards and the, and the police. No, though, quite, of which the game I was at, of course, and... Leighton Orient should have been 3-0 up after half an hour and then we scored uh, a goal towards the end of the first half and chaos ensued. We took 1,200 fans to Leighton Orient and flares went off. And it was everything. you, wasn't it? He was the uh, one. It wasn't me, no. <laughs> one, it very nearly hit my head as it yeah. flew onto the pitch and uh, the match was uh, uh, suspended for 10 minutes as they had to um, clear it up and then arrest someone. It was all good fun. I, I doubt it will uh, maintain throughout the season, but hey... While, Good stuff uh, while, so far. It's, uh, while it's uh, still going on, I will continue to sing the praises of Mark Cooper. Please do. Dave Besant on the bench at age 55 for oh. Stevenage. What was that all about at the weekend? I've heard a lot about this, but not seen any photographic evidence of it. Well, someone, it's just going to be a man sat on the bench, I Someone think. must have had a picture. Well, he must have been warming up, mustn't he, before the game <laughs> or something, surely. But nothing's come about on social media, it seems. I'm sure if he, he had played, he would be the oldest player ever to play in the Football League, surely. There can't be anyone older. How old was Stanley Matthews when he retired? <laughs> he was I think early 50s, but yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. I'm not sure. Football trivia people, let us know at Wagyu Podcast on Twitter or email via the website. We are going up.co.uk. Uh, good win for Cambridge, 5-1 against Oxford. Um, the weekend, Quezzy Appiah's first goal. Please watch that if you haven't seen it. Check it out on YouTube. It's a, a brilliant strike. And we should say, Wimbledon, I forgot to mention, they won MK Dons, didn't they, in the Johnson's uh, Paint yeah. Trophy? Yeah, Which is a significant result. So well done to everyone at the club for that. Right, we've got a game for you. I'm going to uh, play some music in here. Which Football League player did I sit next to on the London and... Uh, well, not next to, on the same the same tube carriage I was on the London, London Underground last night? Yes, no questions. Away you go. Was it a championship player? London-based. Was it uh, someone who plays in... Um, was it a defender? Uh, a young... Was it a young player? Like somebody who might be kind of... Can't afford a big car yet or something, so he's on the tube home. <laughs> can't afford a big car um, was it? A, was it a striker? <laughs> If that's the rules, by the way, a lot of people in London won't be able to afford cars. <laughs> the underground's very busy. Um, no, not a striker. Does he play for a club in the west of London? Brentford? Okay, well, that's narrowed it right down then, isn't it? Um, and, it's, and it's not a defender, it's not a, it's defender, not a, it's a striker. It's a Brentford midfielder or goalkeeper. Is, Is it, it a goalkeeper? <laughs> it's a midfielder. 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 Brentford midfielder. Um, I've got a question to ask you about this player in a second as okay. well. He hasn't played at Watford. Um, oh, hang on. Uh, <laughs> no, he hasn't. No, no, sorry. Was well, he had a spell at Swindon? Because Jonathan Douglas is a midfielder for Brentford. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't Jonathan Douglas. Come on, Brentford midfielders. Sam, what's his name? Uh, well, yeah, what's his name? Uh, good at free kicks and set pieces. <laughs> yep. Ah, what's it called? What's his bloody name? Oh, I forgot his name. Swing it like... Was it swing it like? There's a phrase they came up from. Bend it like Beckham. No, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, like, it's Sam's S. It's a letter of alliteration, isn't oh, it? Oh, you googling it. It's what cheating. Name? Well, come on, help me. It's completely gone from my mind. She has the same surname as a former Wales player. 
<laughs> Come on, this is poor. This is, this is a football got, league podcast. All I've got in my head is Sam Swanell, who's like a what? Saunders. It, Sam Saunders. <laughs> And I've got a question to ask you about him. Sam Swanell used to play for Watford like okay. youth team in like 2002. I saw him play in a reserve match once. I've got a question to ask you about Sam Saunders, but I'm going to have to close the mics Sam for Saunders, it. Sam Saunders, of okay. course. going to have to close the mics for this. Hang on. Can you say yes or no to that? You can't say what I just asked you. I can't substantiate that <laughs> on a microphone, no. Yeah, the lawyers would advise you to not say anything, I think. <laughs> OK, that is it for this week's We Are Going Up podcast. Now, um, I'm going to Japan on the weekend. OK. So there's not going to be a show, a proper show, for a couple of weeks. Now, you're going to try and do a mini episode, I believe, are you? Supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> so there should be some show uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I think my next show is the 6th of November, which will be a live special from Full and Blackpool of all goes according to plan. But in the meantime, uh, you can read all the blogs on the website, wearegoingup.co.uk. So uh, if you do blog for us, please feel free to send them in and we'll uh, we'll stick them up. Also, the Audible offer, don't forget that. If you want to hear Roy Keane um, not bleeped out, describe <laughs> <laughs> what he did to Alfinger Harland, and then uh, the Audible offer is available. Free audiobook for you, audible.co.uk slash going up. The Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. Carl, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks as ever. You can go to a J League match. When hopefully, you're in Japan. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully some baseball as I well. I just very frantically tried to find out okay. whether there are any kind of British players playing over in Japan, but I haven't been able to find out. So you find out if there are any if there are any footballers connected with the football league yeah. at all. Okay. You sent me a bit of a challenge. Mm. What's Hid Hid Toshi Nakata up to these days? Um not playing football, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway. Of course we used to have a Japanese goalkeeper, didn't they? Kawaguchi? I'm not sure. I don't know if he's still knocking around. I'm not sure. Um keep checking the uh, the old iTunes. Um, what's the is it what's the phrase? Uh, sayonara, that's it, isn't it? That's sayonara. What, 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 as, it, as in goodbye. Yes, yes Mark, well done. <laughs> I need to polish up on this before the weekend. Evidently. So yeah. I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks, Dave. Hopefully before then. Keep checking your iTunes. That is it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the football league covered. <laughs> Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.